really is about, about light coming into our dark world. And every now and then we get to be reminded about um, how beautiful Jesus is. And oftentimes it stands in contrast to some of the unfairness and the pain of, of life that it often is hard to understand and comprehend. And yet, I think in light of that, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit more when we, when we pray in a moment, but I just want to remind everybody about the schedule that we have because, you know, the Christmas season, it's like, uh, what, you know, in nine days we'll be celebrating Christmas. And uh, we have a lot of things that, that make this coming weekend unique. And I was hoping that everybody uh, can kind of just get a sense of the calendar. It's a little bit different than our usual sort of uh, weekend approach. Just I wanted to be aware of that and refer everybody to it. Just because you're making your plans when you're inviting friends or family, it's good to just remember that some of the times I've shifted a little bit. Now, one of our traditions that we've been doing now for a number of years, almost two decades now, is we tend to create uh, works of art that we present to honor, in, in this case, it will be to honor the Lord's birth at Christmas time. We do it around Easter as well. And we, this, we have a play that we've written. We, we tend to write something new every year. And again, the purpose of it is to honor the Lord and his birth this Christmas time. And the play is going to be something that we're going to be doing. And instead of the four services here at Mission, we actually have the five. And be aware of it, that it's six and eight on Saturday. And then on the normal Sunday schedule, 9, 10, 30, and 12 here. And again, this is something that's really good to be able to bring someone to who maybe hasn't come to church. And what we wanted everybody also to be aware of is that because now we are running a second campus and we're on the west side of the city at the Lake Merced site, um, we are going to be having on Sunday simultaneously, just in case for those who maybe see the play on Saturday and want to go to a service on Sunday, to be aware that we're going to be having, I'll, I'll actually be sharing their live on Sunday at the Lake Merced campus at 11 a.m., which is their normal time. And so we, we try to create an, a scenario where people can think about where they might want to bring a friend to, a family member. And the unique thing about this weekend is that Christmas Eve falls on the very following day, the 24th. And that's when we do our candlelight services. And that's just a really special, beautiful time. I mean, we, you know, it's nothing quite like it that we do when, when the church at the very end of the service we're all um, having our candles. We sing Silent Night, Holy Night, welcoming in the light that has come into this world. It's really it's beautiful. And that's happening at 6, 8, and then for those who have this desire to end at midnight, you know, um, we have the 11 o'clock as well. So and just be aware of the time frames that are happening. And this has been a real uh, desire of us this particular Christmas to have the emphasis on giving. And I think a lot of you also are aware that we, we uh, put together a, a catalog called the Share the Christmas Spirit Catalog. And again, this catalog had to do with different ways that you could support uh, the variety of ministries that we partner with. And we usually will highlight a few of them at Christmas time. Um, we, we talked about uh, the international ministries that we're working with in India and Haiti. And, and then there's also um, a, a, a more than a, a couple of urban missions that we work with here in San Francisco that are particularly built around the, the area, the Tenderloin, but not exclusively. And then also, oh, and be aware that on the Christmas play day, I know it's just a little side note, but we're encouraging everybody, if you remember, to bring a, a canned food good as well. So we're just going to use that also to help support some of the pantries around this time of the year that could use some um, sort of uh, additional support. It's just something we wanted to do around the play as well. Again, thinking about these things. You know, I was, I, and, that, and there's a table, by the way, in the Connection Center to my left here that you can go to. You can pick up a catalog. Also, there's a few other things that I'm going to make a mention that are available there as well. One of them is actually uh, our, our Daily Bread, which is a, a little devotional that is complimentary to anybody who wants to pick one up. And I'll talk a little bit more about that and why I think it's important to have something
something that we're doing heading into these next uh, eight to nine days. Uh, you know, I was reading an article speaking about giving. I was reading an article just a few, uh, actually it was a week or so ago, that was talking about a kind of cultural phenomenon. They were talking about how the culture sort of changes its giving styles and some things that were unacceptable in previous generations all of a sudden um, are somehow um, not as big of a deal. And in fact, sometimes are, are viewed in, without being a problem. And that they got them to this, this study that they started doing and uh, they, they, were, they were talking about the phenomena of re-gifting that's going on. You know what re-gifting is, right? Someone gives someone a gift. <laughs> And they said, and he, sometimes they were talking about how it can get a little awkward when someone sees that someone's name was written in the, in, in the and, and, and they're getting that gift. And some of them were talking about how then people will sometimes have fun with that and then send it back the following year to the person who gave it to them. And they were going on. It was really interesting and it was a lot of fun. But they said 79% of the respondents to consumer spending survey said regifting is is socially acceptable during the holiday season. That's a big jump, they said. And they also talked about how 50%, uh, w- women regift at a 50% greater rate than men. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. And then, and then it says, what, what do you think, they said, what do you think people tend to regift the most? This was, we had, we kind of laughed at this one. We were, so we started, well, they said candles, right? Gift baskets, picture frames, glass bowls, Christmas ornaments, small appliances, kids, toys and games. And the one that made me kind of made me chuck, chuckle a little bit, um, they put an unattractive clothing. Right? It's like, how, who determines that, you know? Um, but that, it was kind of fun. Now, we also, what we try to do around Christmas time is we, we tend to highlight, it, once in a while, we'll highlight a particular book just that someone may want. We get it at a really good, good purchase price and try to make it available to the church community. This year, I had, I had asked them if they could get, a, get, get some uh, copies of a book that I had read this year. And you'll notice also in the handout there, uh, there's references to a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And um, well, actually, Bonhoeffer uh, is mentioned at least twice here. Uh, some of you may have already been aware. Uh, this, is a, this is a book that I, uh, this is probably my, well, it was, it was my favorite book that I read this year. Um, and uh, this had to do with the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor, a theologian, but uh, the book itself is not just about his, his spiritual uh, growth as a real vibrant follower of Jesus who's made a, a contribution that we're even now living out of. But it really, the, the uniqueness about Bonhoeffer's life is that it, it really crossed paths with one of the most absolutely, you know, I would, I would say devastating in terms of its impact, expressions of evil our world has ever known. We talk about Hitler and the Third Reich. We talk about some just uh, unconscionable things that were done. And again, it, it, it was a dark, very dark time. His life is intersecting with the rise of the Nazi movement in Germany. And he and many others are having to work through the implications of that. And uh, he was initially a pacifist. Over time, becomes convinced that, that evil must be confronted in a different way. It's a fascinating story. The way that the writer does it so effectively is he, he interplays the, the, both the historical growth of Nazism with also Bonhoeffer's own life. When he actually leaves the United States after he had left Germany, comes back to Germany, and um, decides he has to do something about this emerging evil, it ultimately ends with, um, and I'm not giving away, it's a, his, the, the book's ending. I mean, it's a big book. If I had known it was this big, I, I ended up, I had read mine on an e-reader. I may not have read it. I, I, I knew what I was getting into. But once I got into it, I really, I really enjoyed it a lot and was very moved by it. And so we have, actually, I was told, just a, 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 I've said all that, and we only have a, no, a limited number left. But um, we tried to hold off at least a few for each of the, the last services so that 
um, we could mention that. Because one of the things that Bonhoeffer does is he was, he was waiting um, in, in imprisoned in different ways. Uh, and one of the things he really embraced deeply was the gift of Christmas, which I thought, here's this profound, soaring intellectual man who, who had a tenderness to Christmas that is, is really unique. And he saw in it the tender heart of God, even in the midst of extraordinary evil. And one gets the impression that things like Christmas and Easter meant even more to Bonhoeffer because of the evil that, that was just surrounding him in the darkness. And, and he knew that, that really his life, his world, was, was coming to a, a, a bad ending. And, and, and for him, he, he, he knew that he probably wouldn't live through it, and he didn't. Um, the Nazis made sure that even though everything was going down, they wanted to make sure that they, they finished off the last of the enemies in the distance. The point being is Bonhoeffer has this amazing heart. Okay, I, that's not my message, so I better, I, I, I need to go in a different direction. The, that is available, um, the devotionals are available, and I wanted to say, okay, you know what, let's just look at our handout right now, and um, I want to go ahead and pray and ask God to bless as this time as we engage his word together, but Lord, I thank you again for the opportunity, uh, even in the midst sometimes of, of, of dark and difficult things, things that, that are hard for us to really um, deal with even, and the, the pain and the loss that so many are experiencing. We pray blessing and grace over, over our, our nation, and um, we also, Lord, want to even more so emphasize the value of light even in the midst of darkness. And so we pray that you would bless this word, and, and my goal, Lord, is that we would be more inclined to soften our heart before you because of what we're sharing together. And I thank you for the privilege of serving you, of being able to talk about you. Uh, I, I remember, Lord, that it has been said that, that the, the, the whole duty of a human being is to glorify God and to enjoy, enjoy you forever. And I pray that we would enjoy you, Lord, and be grateful for you. I ask for your blessing over all who are here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God. There's a couple of passages I'd like us to look at. They're in parallel sections. Actually, there's three of them. I want to start with John 1. And uh, some of you, if you want to follow in your Bibles with me, or you can walk, look at the handout. Some of you I know might be following along on your, your phone or your other device that, that has the Bible on it. But it says this. I'm going to read it. Um, out of the NLT version, slightly more modern version. God sent a man, but we're going to jump to verse 10. Speaking of Jesus, he came into this very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. That alone is a statement. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. So the initial thing we're being told here about God's entrance into the human race is that he experiences, he exp he experiences rejection. He's both unnoticed and rejected. And I think there are, if any of us have ever felt that way, maybe some of us feel that way now, please know God knows that feeling. His own son, his own entrance, was, was, he was welcomed into this world unnoticed and rejected. That's what we're told. It says he came to this very world, and this is what he experienced. But then, verse 12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right the privilege to become children of God in more than just the sense that we're all created from the same creator, but in a sense of relationship that speaks of intimacy and deep love. 
and they are reborn. Look at this. Not with a physical birth that results resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so the word became human. Look at this. This is what John says. In a mysterious way, that, that same word that was with God and the word that was God that existed already in eternity, that word we're told in verse 14 became human. This is Christmas. So what is Christmas about? It's this. The word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father, um, his father's one and only son. The, the, other, the older version says, and we beheld his glory, you know, full of grace and truth. As of the only, as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. This whole idea of Jesus' entry, but there is something about the idea of unfailing love and his faithfulness that I just find beautiful. But the word of God, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. This is a key principle in the scripture. When we talk about Christmas, we need to remember that it is about the word becoming flesh, um, that it is about God meeting us where we are so that we could get to where he is. It's about him doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. It's about the greatest gift Really, it's a, you know, we mark the day with so many people all over the world to be able to remember the coming of God into this world. And it's the word become flesh. You know, Augustine, who was one of the great fathers of the church, I, I came across something that he had written that I just loved because he's talking about this, what this means, this idea of the word becoming flesh. And he uses the analogy of human language when we speak out a word as a way of getting us to understand what we mean when we say God became flesh and why he did it. Look what he, this is under, in that column underneath the three, the three passages there on the bottom section of the handout. It says, the word in my mind, Augustine writes, exists before it is put into language. So when we speak, before we speak a word, it starts in our mind. I search for the right sound then to carry it abroad. I need a way for it to reach you, I love this, without it actually leaving me. And even now, you are hearing what I have put into my heart, and it is in yours, it is in both of us, and you are now possessing it, here's the amazing part of this, without me losing it. It is still in me. He says, it is in both of us, and you are now possessing without me losing it. And just as my word had to take on sound in order to be heard, so God's word took on flesh in order to be seen. That's a great way of describing what we call the incarnation or God becoming one of us. Now, look at the other, look at the other passage there in the, in the middle column, Hebrews 1, chapter 1, another stunning, expansive uh, piece of scripture. I mean, it's almost like one of the, if, 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 if Hebrews has, is the Himalayas and this is like the Everest, all right? God, who at various times, watch how he soars into eternity. God pulls back the curtains. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past, in time past, to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he has made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I mean, it's an expansive statement about who Jesus is. And you look at it and what he refers to in verse number one is that bit by bit, little by little, piece by piece, God spoke through the prophets in different ways 
to prepare people for his ultimate word. The old authorized version, the older one, says that in sundry times and in diverse manners. In other words, and it's quite an opening here, God spoke in dreams, God spoke in revelations, God spoke in shadows, God spoke in types, God, God spoke through uh, angels and mental impressions and visions. And he's saying all of that is, is something that God did to prepare us for his ultimate, ultimate expression. And that is God's finally, he says, speaks to us in his son. And his son fulfills all that it was anticipated in all the, of all the prophets and all the sacrifices and all the types and all the shadows. It all finds its culmination point in a historical moment as God enters into the human race and speaks to us through son. You know, the word there in verse number um, three says that he, he is the express image of his person. Now look at that, you guys, because in the original Greek, the, the, the idea, it says there, the express image of his person, that the, it speaks of, of like a, how would you say, a wax that was used. Hot wax was used to seal a letter or an important document, and then whoever was sending it would have a seal, and they would use that seal to stamp an expressed image onto that letter or document, that word. And, he's, and the, the writer is saying in the same way, God, God, in Christ Jesus, there is the exact image of the Father. It's an it's a, it's a intense statement. It's almost like he's saying it's an exact re- reproduction of the original, that Jesus Christ is the, is the expression of, of the divine, that, that he's the expression of God. That's why when... when when Jesus was asked by his disciples, you know, about who the Father is, Jesus made this statement that he said, he says, have, have I been with you so long that, don't you understand, that if you have seen, look, if you have seen me, he says, you have seen the Father. The stamp is there. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. And then, and then in, the, in the Old Testament, again, they, the prophets anticipated his coming. They, they oftentimes would talk about Messiah. A lot of times it, would, it, it was something that would be written that, was, that would cause people's interest to go, well, what are they talking about? Why would he say? Probably no prophet in all the Old Testament anticipated Messiah's coming more than, than Isaiah. And Isaiah was given this unique glimpse hundreds and hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus of what Messiah, how Messiah would enter the human race. And, and at Christmas time, it's really good for us to remember this extraordinary prophecy written down hundreds of years before Jesus comes. Look at Isaiah 9, 6. For this is what he wrote. We'll put this up. He says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government... The world itself will, will, will rest upon his shoulders. And we're going to call him, we're going to call him, he will be known as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. It's an amazing prophecy. Again, I was looking, I remember I mentioned to you Bonhoeffer. I put this in, in the handout because, again, this is what Bonhoeffer says about, about the coming of Christ. And this is just right there underneath that underneath that. Um, a column of scriptures there. He says, as if to shame, look what he says, as if to shame the mightiest human efforts and achievements. Look at this. A child is placed at the center of human history. That's right. A child born of humans, a son given by God. And that is the mystery of the world's saving, the world's redemption. Everything past and everything future is encompassed here. The infinite mercy of almighty God comes to us condescends to us, not just meets us where we are, but comes even lower, comes to us in the form of a child, his son. 
It's an amazing statement about the entrance of God into the human experience. And if it is true, it changes everything. And many of us embrace the crisis we are invited to do because to him who received him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. Look at the final passage of Scripture, Matthew 3, verse number 1. Here's the final, final passage we're looking at here, and I selected it for a purposeful reason. In those days, and again, this is the passage that is now jumping ahead 30 years past the birth of Christ. We, last week we, we heard a little bit about John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness. He was the one who introduced Christ and began preaching. And his message was this, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he goes to that prophet. Here he is going to Isaiah. Remember I told you how often Isaiah is connected to the, to the Messiah, to Christ. And the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. And look at what he says. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming Clear the road for him. And I thought, what an awesome statement about how you and I are to approach this Christmas season. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear a path for him. And part of what I want to do in the minutes that we're sharing here that we have left together is talk about and make the case for how we should approach this Christmas time, which is only about, you know, in, in nine days we celebrate Christmas and then we have a new year that's turning. I love this time of the year. In fact, I love the, the holidays, which they have that. That comes from a derivative of holy days. And I know that one, and part of what I love about it is that, you know, for me, Thanksgiving is sort of like a, a special day. I know it's unique to America in the, the, as a day, at what it celebrates, but it's like a day that we say thank you. I love that. And then you follow that up a month later with Christmas, a time to say thank you to God for coming to us as his son and entering into the human race that, that light comes into his darkness. And then just, uh, just the timing of it, the way it's celebrated by so many people all over the world. And then you follow that up for us with, you know, a turning of a new year. It's all about new beginning and gratitude. I love it. You see it? It's about choosing to be thankful for, for who Jesus is and what he, his coming means. It's about choosing to say, Lord, I'm open to new beginnings and new possibility because you brought new beginning and new possibility. And you can do that. And as we move into a new year, we live out of the conviction that we are not a people who simply just meander our way through into oblivious darkness. But the light has come, and it means our life has meaning and value. And then what does that mean for me as I think about how I'm ending this year? And what does it mean as I think about how I'm approaching a new one, a new gift from you? All these things are important. I think about this statement, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. I know he was talking about the, the coming of the ministry. I can't help but think this is a great way of thinking about Christmas. Are we preparing ourselves to celebrate this moment? Are we creating a new path so that God, listen, God can do something fresh in us? I'm going to make the case that how we choose to approach these next few days will have a direct impact on what God can do in us and, what, and I believe he wants to do some things in our heart as we make our way into this Christmas moment. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity to be touched by the Lord and to touch others with his goodness and grace. And so let's just talk about this. As we make our way into Christmas, we are invited to, and I'll just kind of start with this because it's the one that first struck me. We are invited to anticipate like a child. And, you know... I can remember, like a child who's looking forward to getting their presents, right? This idea of excitement and, 
And uh, I, you know, I can remember, I mean, my, you know, when I was a child and, and how excited I would get about Christmas Day and opening up, opening up, I still have memories of that. I still remember the first time I got a, a little 49er suit. My brother and I were running around the house with, with these, these little football uniforms, and I got to be the 49ers, and he was the Raiders, and, and <laughs> I always was thankful for that, you know. Um, and I remember these moments. You know, and later on in my life, as, as um, you know, I, I, got, I became, you know, a father myself, and um, I still have these fond memories. You know, I was, I was thinking about this because it was a couple of weeks ago where um, my family, we, uh, my wife and, and our children, we, uh, we had to, we were trying to figure out how, how we're going to take a picture because my youngest son uh, is, is in Southern California and he's at Bible school right now. And then our youngest daughter was, was having a tournament in San Diego. So we thought, okay, let's all just go together and we'll, take, we'll have him, we'll, have, we'll meet together at her tournament and then we'll, we'll take our family picture, which is something we've been doing now for a number of years, just sort of mark um, you know, our, uh, ourselves as a family. It's a tradition that we have. And so I'll just, you know, I'll put up, this is, this is, some of you may say, I doesn't matter. Well, this is good for you. This is my family. This is my, that's my wife and our four children. Now, what's intense about this is our, our youngest daughter now is, is going to be turning 18. All right? We're all in a new, our lives are changing. I've, you know, and, and yet it, I was thinking about this. I was looking at, at, them, at everyone together, and, and, and I, I found my mind slipping back to a long time ago when, they, when we first had that them come into this world. And I'll just flip that picture back. And there's a little bit, who is that grizzly guy over there? You know, what is that? What is that? But I thought, boy, boy the, the time, it just, uh, it just races by, right? It races by. But the reason I brought that up was not simply to show you a family album. Um, it's because I found myself remembering this moment where when the kids were really little, obviously our youngest one, Aubrey, was a little bigger. But there was this kind of sweet spot before you know, they still were young, and we would try to make a really big deal about Christmas. And we would say it's, it's, it's a special because not only is it a time for us to be op- opening up presents, but we get to celebrate with, about the birth of Jesus with people all over the world, and it's an exciting time. And I still have in my mind's eye, I saw my kids, because we, 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 would, we would all run through the house, right? Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming. It would be a little parade, all of them running, right? Christmas is coming. And I can remember the excitement, right? I go, good luck trying to get them to do anything close to that right now, right? But I remember, I remember their genuine, excitement about Christmas and Christmas is coming Christmas is coming and I'd be out there with them we'd be running around. it was fun it was tender it was special it was sweet it was just oh, they were open they were happy they were joyful it's the gift of childhood and I thought you know Lord I know I know I can't we're not like that because life boy life wears you down and life teaches us that childlike Child, you know, we stay like that. We gullible people get trampled over, and people have mixed motives, and things are not always as they seem, and we get disappointed a lot. We get hurt a lot, and as life goes on, we start to lose our ability to to be childlike and wonder. And yet Jesus said, "Such is the kingdom," not childish, but childlike, and He advocated a retention of a childlike heart as one of the keys to spiritual vitality that we ought not to lose our ability to wonder, that we need to guard against, as a follower of Jesus, especially as the years go by, and we experience the rigor of life, 
and sometimes the disappointment and the hurt of life, there will always be a temptation to start to become jaded and cynical, apathetic, passive, and disengaged. And some of us may even take it a little further and carry a kind of low-grade anger. And I'm going to say that Christmas is a time, I know it's a marking point, but it really is a time to prepare a way for the tenderness of the Lord to be embraced and to say, Lord, I am intentionally going to soften my heart and make room for you. I'm going to choose to come like a child before you and engage this moment. And Lord, keep me from the things that would just, would just you know, keep me hard. Don't let me be a hard person. I invite you at this Christmas time, you who came softly, you who came vulnerable, teach me, Lord, to be okay and actually to be open to being that way with you and even with people. The second piece of that is this, another way to enter into this season, and it's just right on the back of it, is that we are to be intentional about, about how we prepare and, and purposely make room for Jesus at this time. And I think that that may involve, you know, a couple of things. We talked about this, but the value of setting our schedule. So we're not just treating this like any other week. I'm going to try to make the case that there's actually a unique blessing at this time of the year, moving into this moment, that is unavailable in, in this way at any other time. That this is a unique time that we celebrate with, again, part of it is because, it's, it's not because it's the exact day that he was born on. It's because we are celebrating his entrance with so many people all over the world turning our heart to say, thank you, Lord. We embrace your coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come in me afresh. You who I do not need to be, anybody who comes like that, I don't need to be afraid of. He came softly. He came vulnerable. He came attached. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a reminder that you and I get to decide, and, I, and this is what, to, somewhere along the way, I hope that we will take some time to really consider this amazing thing that God has done. You know, at Christmas time, we sing hymns, we sing carols. Um, a lot of times they're just being sung all around us. And we're not really appreciating some of the words and the meanings. It's amazing to me how many different renditions of Christmas songs can be done. Everybody has a Christmas album, any style you want. And, and, and some of them are, are okay, and some of them are really bad, right? <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, it's amazing to me because this time of the year, you're here carols, and one of the things I've noticed, I'm sitting in, in coffee shop or I'm walking through a department store, and I'm hearing Jesus. I don't hear Jesus as much in songs, but all of a sudden, a lot of places I go, I start hearing things about Jesus and about God, and oh, come let us adore him. The heart the angels sing. And it got me, and, what, and I said, Lord, you know, help me periodically to pause and appreciate some of the words I'm actually hearing and what's actually happening. It's one of those really unusual times. I know most of the time it's background music for people, but there's a message. You think about this. There's a song that we sing a lot. We sang, oh, we sang earlier, oh, oh, Come All Ye Faithful. There's a verse in that song, just an example of what I'm talking about. I'm gonna, I'll put that verse up again where it says, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning, and right, and it goes into, Jesus, to thee be all the glory given, right? Then it says, word of the Father, now in flesh appear, appearing. That, that is a direct connection to John 1. 
Oh, come, let us adore him, the God who has entered in, the word becoming flesh, dwelling among us. Oh, come, let us adore him. An amazing thing. This is happening all around us. We can choose to engage it, or we can choose to just forget about it. It's just part of the deal, you know, the, the whole consumerism thing, and everybody's into this, and that, and parties here, and that, and all that. Listen, or we choose, or we choose, as people who are serious about following him, and truly desire his transformative work in our lives so that people are blessed all around us, not because we're perfect, but we are growing and we are serious and we are open to the joy of the Lord at work in our lives that we are saying, Lord, I want to make time for you to think about you, to think about what Christmas means, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. I want to take some time. Maybe I'll just read a little devotional every day that connects me to this. Maybe I'll, I'll take some time. Some of us may want to think about it for to really make a serious decision about reading the Bible's a couple of chapters in Matthew and a couple of chapters in Luke, those, those two Gospels that talk about the birth of Christ. and Say, so, you know what? I'm really going to spend some time thinking about this, pondering it, reflecting on it. I'm going to ask God to, to also remind me how his coming into my life has implications, how it affects the priorities of my life relationally and uh, spiritually. I'm going to do what Mary did. I'll put this up. It says that Mary, look at this, in, in Luke 2, 19, it says that Mary kept all these things. What a great example she is. As a young lady, it says she kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. She took time to reflect and think, deep thoughts. Some of us, are, we're moving so fast all the time. We're watching this, watching that. We're not thinking well. We're not, we're not praying we're not stopping to pause and think about what we're building and what is the implications of your coming. And Lord, listen, are there areas that you want to come to me afresh? Are there guards that I've built up that you want me to drop? And that leads to this last final piece here, you guys, which is this. I really believe the Lord is calling us to, to be more than just an anticipator or more than an intentional, but also to participate. And that's a choice we make. And I'm talking about, two, you'll notice two things around that, in presence and in attitude. You know, somebody was asking me about family. They were talking about, you know, we were talking about it because now it's been, an, I was just sort of reflecting on how our t- family is in transition. And, and my wife and I, you know, tw- you know, 28 years, these are, these are, these are we've learned a lot. We, we talked about how as, as a family that we've tried to build our lives around Christ and, and our children, we wanted them to love him and to love going to church. And um, felt like that for me, was true success. And so um, we were talking about how, how, do you, how we do that. And I said, you know, it's, it's, not about, it's not about being perfect. I'll tell you what it, I think. I, I read this a long time ago. I said, it's about being, I know it's going to sound, I said, what I'm about to say to you is going to sound kind of weak and maybe mediocre. But I'm going to say it anyway. It's about being consistently adequate. It's about being there as the years go by in a good way, not a perfect way. A lot of life, listen, is showing up. God showed up. A lot of times, our, I said showing up is half the battle. And then the other part of it is, how do we show up? And that's what I say, can we do this? Can we say, Lord, in the time we have left in this year, certainly leading up to Christmas, and then we move into this new year, can I think about how I am being with people? And how I can reflect you in my attitude. Lord, help me to confront negativity in my heart, a critical spirit. 
Help me, Lord, to focus on who you are, the amazing gift of your love, the light of the world that has come. I will always have reasons to be disappointed, but teach me your ways. Help me to prepare a way. Help me, Lord, to see better. Help me to look like you looked with discerning eyes. Jesus saw things people missed because he was looking at different things. A lot of times, the Lord wants to teach us to see differently. I found myself saying, Lord, remind me, Lord, not to, not to become cynical, not to become apathetic, not to, not to be an angry person, but help me, Lord, to just sort of, when I'm with, help me, Lord, to be more, if I'm going to do it, here's the thing. Some of us are going to do something we don't want to do. <sighs> when we are in those positions, if we're going to do it, then let's do it with a Christ-like attitude. Let's seek to, to look through his eyes. Let's try to honor, say, Lord, I want to honor you. I want to honor you in this moment. I want to honor you. I want to enjoy this moment. I want to be a, a, a person who's alive with you. I want to embrace your joy and your goodness and your grace. I want you to help me to be a peaceable person, to not react to things, to just really choose to embrace the season and what your coming represents. And I choose to do this as one whose life is open to you. I welcome you in, Lord. I'm making room for you in the inn of my heart. I really am. I want you to come and, and be with me. And as we engage things, as we, as some of us are going to be going to services. Let's not look like, like you know, and there's one, there was one final quote in there from Bonhoeffer. You can read it on your own later. He talks about not being simply a passive observer, but being an active participant, like an actor on the stage. And he says, we all get to choose. We all get to choose how we're going to embrace the Christmas moment. And what he is saying is don't simply be a passive bystander. Marvel at the amazing thing that God has done, that it has changed everything. It's not just an idyllic Christmas thing that everybody... No, this is, if it is what he said it was, it changes the entire human equation. And not only in a big way, but in a personal way. And that can have such beautiful effect. So I'm going to pray. You know, and, and the song that we close with is actually a song about having a childlike heart. And it's something we all, it's good, this is good medicine for all of us. And hear me out. These next, these next days, it's opportunity. It's opportunity to recalibrate and soften our heart with God, revisit things, embrace things, settle down, think long thoughts. Don't just get caught up in everything. Sit with what he has done. Make room. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the, the, the love that you have for us. I thank you for the way that you meet us. You who are great became low. You love us. You care about us. I thank you, Lord, that you don't judge us even, like, even when we fail you and let you down. Your love is bigger than that, and, and you call us up into a growing path. Help us to clear a path for you, to prepare a way for you. Help us to use the the power and the beauty of this season as a, as a road that leads us into a new year with new and fresh possibilities because you're the God of new beginning. It's what you did when you came. And the more of your presence in our lives, it doesn't mean everything's always going to go right. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be a lot of darkness. What it does mean is there is a light, there is a light that prevails. And I pray that we would make room for the light of the world Work in our heart. Warm our heart, Holy Spirit. Give us the gift of a childlike heart. Deliver us from anger, bitterness,
discouragement. Teach us to embrace you even as you chose to embrace us. We ask for your blessing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.